The signs were there. The writing was on the wall. The newspapers and networks were consumed with the news. The end was near. It was November 16, 2012. It was apocalyptic in form and people didn't know what to do. Parents were frantic. Children were lamenting, what will we do? How can this be? Overnight, 18,500 employees lost their jobs. Thousands of lives changed in one single day. After 80 years of creating moist yellow cakes with a creamy white filling, Hostess Bakery Company was closing its doors. They were going out of business. By mid-morning, Twinkies, were, like toilet paper last year, were nowhere to be found. People were hoarding Twinkies. Fights broke out. Twinkie prices soared. Nobody could believe it. Nobody could have predicted it. They weren't prepared for this. They weren't ready. Imagine picking up the Sunday paper, opening it, and reading in giant letters, Jesus Christ will return on November 30th. What would we do? How would we react to this apocalyptic headline? I think there's two basic reactions. Some of us, out of fear, would change our lives immediately. The Lord is coming and we are not ready. We might start going to church more often, probably every day. Prayer would become a much higher priority in our lives. We would pray not only in the morning and evening, but most likely throughout the day. Save us, Father, we would cry. We would seek reconciliation with a member of our family, neighbor, or co-worker, and certainly with God. Save me, Father, I'm so sorry. Others might have a different response. Some of us might not do anything differently. Some in a hopeless attitude might say, there is nothing I can do at this late hour. God has already decided my fate. I might as well continue what I've been doing all along. All I can do is stock up on Twinkies and toilet paper. But there are others who might not change the thing they're doing, but not in a defeatist mode or because it's too late. Some of us would say, isn't this the event for which we have waited our whole lives for? Isn't this the reason for which I was born into this world? St. Paul tells us, tells the Romans, when speaking of the glory to be revealed in Christ, we know that the whole creation has been groaning with labor pains together until now. Possession of such an attitude is only present in a concrete follower of Jesus, never an imposter. And it allows us to continue doing what we have always been doing, confident that our preparations have been well planned. My dear friends, life seems as it's one big process of preparation. When we're young, each year seems to be preparation for the next. When we are in elementary school, we prepare for junior high, and in junior high, we work hard to be ready for high school. The preparation process continues into college and to our first job, but it doesn't end there. 
One job leads to another, or, the, or to a promotion which we justly deserve. We might naturally ask ourselves, will we ever be fully ready? The Holy Gospel today deals with the end times before Christ's return. That's what we find in the 13th chapter of Mark's Gospel, Jesus' eschatological discourse, his teaching about the last things. And what we should be asking ourselves today is, will I be ready? The first thing about the last things is whether or not we even think about the return of Christ. Do we? Are we eagerly and expectantly looking and waiting for our Lord's return? Are we awake and alert to such things? Or are we instead sleepwalking our way through life? If so, then today Jesus is giving us a needed wake-up call. If we do not know the hour or day, we had better stay awake. You know, many in the world around us, and even in this parish community, are spiritually asleep. They're oblivious to the thought of Christ coming again. People are busy hustling and bustling around, trying with every ounce of fiber to get to the next level of their self-demonstrated perfect life. Lots of shopping to do. Soon to be Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Amazon Prime Day, and Sunday, the Lord's Day, the day God asked for a mere 60 minutes, gets lost in the shuffle. The people of this world may be busy, but spiritually they are asleep, out of it. They are in a fool's coma. They are not conscious nor cognizant, not thinking about the end times and eternity, about one's relationship with God, and the fact that this world is indeed coming to an end, and after that, the judgment. For this sort of arrogant, self-absorbed people, Jesus can only warn and wait till they are done gorging themselves on the corrupted and profane fruit this world now serves as virtue. It's pleasure, equality, tolerance, justice, inclusiveness, wokeness, and every other empty promise of happiness it offers. But Christ would not have his people be so sleepy and dull-minded, stuck in a utopian stupor. Jesus would have his people, his true followers, awake and alert and ready for his return. Until then, Christ would have his followers be active and doing the work he has given them to do before night comes, when no man can work. That's the point of this discourse to the disciples in today's gospel. What will it be like, the return of Christ? The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. Stars will be falling from the heavens. The heavens will be shaken. You will then see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. That's what we're waiting for. Jesus to come again in great glory. There will be cosmic disruption on a scale never before seen. The heavens will start shaking and falling apart. New heavens and a new earth are coming. Jesus Christ himself is coming. The mighty Messiah, 
revealed in his full majesty, is coming. And he's coming for us. For his whole church to be with him forever, sharing in his glory. But for the unbelievers, the lukewarm, the insolent children of this world, for those in a fool's coma, for those who spend every waking moment trying to create a glass house of happiness from pieces of a broken world of lies and deceit, it will be a day of terror and dread. But for those who believe and follow God's commandments, for those who are not slaves to their disordered passions, it will be a day of rejoicing and redemption. But the thing is, it will come in an instant, in a moment, in a blinking of an eye. No one is able to predict exactly when Christ will come again. It won't be printed in the papers like the closing of Hostess Bakeries. Jesus says, but concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. For you do not know when the time will come. My fellow Christians, we must at all costs avoid the fool's coma. Christ could be coming back this afternoon, or in a week from now, or in a year, or a hundred years from now. No one knows. And because no one knows, the important thing is to be ready for his return at any time. Are we ready? If Jesus comes back this afternoon, are you ready? Or is assimilating to unfettered American life more important than the utter collapse of morality in your soul? How do we become ready? How do we stay ready? How do we stay awake and keep awake so that we're ready at all times? These are good questions, important questions, really the most important questions there are. The answer is found in the words of Jesus today. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The world as we know it is not going to last. Don't put all your eggs in this basket. You're looking in the wrong place for your security. This life, with all its wokeness and wealth, pleasures and possessions, will pass away. It's all temporal. You will pass away, swept away in death. What then? There will be nothing to hang on to. Stop wasting your time buying what the world is selling you. You are buying it at the expense of your salvation. You purchased utopian dreams of acceptance of immorality, equality for evil practices, gender ideologies, sexual freedom without limit, provocative clothing, and sexualized environments at home work, and school, even in our so-called Catholic schools. This world would have you believe there is nothing beyond it. Just open your mouth and get drunk on everything that Christ would have you deny. My dear friend, St. Augustine said, lust indulged becomes habit, and habit unresisted becomes necessity. There is, however, my fellow Christians, something secure and lasting and eternal you can hold on to, the word of our Lord Jesus. You see, Jesus' words will certainly never pass away. 
You can count on them. You can stake your life and your eternal life on the words of Christ because the words of Christ are built on the works of Christ. When Jesus has done for you what he will do for you, this is all delivered in your, it, to you in his words. The gospel preached here and taught here, right here in this cathedral, what we should be teaching at home to our children, the very way you should be living your life as the word in the world. This is God's delivery system for bringing to your door and the door of everyone we encounter the life and freedom that Christ won for us by his death and resurrection. Now perhaps some of you may be thinking, what has Jesus done for me? What has he won for me? What Jesus did for you to fulfill God's law on your behalf, you didn't. The government will never. The world can't. But Jesus did. We have broken God's commandments over and over again in thought, word, and deed. But Jesus kept the law of God perfectly, living the perfect life man is supposed to be. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, Jesus tells us. And then Jesus went the extra mile. He suffered the punishment we sinners deserved, even though he was innocent. He suffered ridicule and abandonment on the cross where you and I should be. He shed his blood and died in our place. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you because by your holy cross you have set us free. Then Jesus rose triumphantly from the grave, showing the world the victory he will share with everyone who trusts and follows him. He will live forever, and we have every opportunity to as well. But it's not a sure thing. You have to live for Christ like he died for you. With every waking moment, live for him, not for yourself. All that Christ won for you, all that he has done for you, is delivered to you in the words of, of the gospel. Jesus' words are active and effective. They do what they say. They give you what they promise. To receive these gifts, to truly realize and accept what Jesus has done for you and what he has in store for you, to trust in him rather than in yourself, rather than in this passing and broken world, this is faith. And this is how you will be ready and stay awake. You stay awake and you keep awake by being nourished on Christ's words, his body and blood and the Eucharist every Sunday and holy day, not only when there's nothing better to do, every Sunday. You will be strengthened to withstand the pressures and temptations facing the child of God in this world. And those pressures are many. You will be tempted to give up, to throw in the towel and say, what's the use? Look at how apathetic and unconcerned people are about God and his church. It seems like a losing effort. Maybe I'll join the ranks of those who don't care, of those who have set aside their baptismal promises to reject Satan, his empty promises, and this detestable world. Will you?
Or will you instead turn from your evil ways, increase your faith, stay awake and be strengthened in the body of Christ and his word? How important is it then to be immersed in the word and in the faith? My friends, you simply won't make it. The pressures are too great. The current will sweep you away. You need God's word. You need his body on a regular basis. So do your friends, your neighbors, your family members, all of us. We all need God's word and sacraments. All people need the ministry of the church, whether they realize it or not. Stay awake, keep awake. Be on guard against the cunningness of the devil, his lies, and our own sinful flesh. These will subtly and gradually pull away, pull us away from Christ and his words. Stay awake, keep awake. Be strengthened in the faith and love for the work your master has for you in your daily life, family life, and in our life together as a parish, each with his own work in our daily activity as father, mother, husband, wife, son, daughter, worker, retired. You are Christ in that place. In our life together as a parish, whether bishop, rector, deacon, or laity, we each have our role to play in the body of Christ. We are here for a reason. Only by courageous action will the cloud of darkness now choking the lives of so many be dispelled and replaced with the life-giving light of Christ and his word. This is our role as disciples. God is using us to achieve his purpose. We are his channel of blessing and love to the people all around us. And we must not, by our silence or cowardice, confirm someone else in sin or serious error, or we ourselves may be in effect denying Christ. Do you see your identity in this life this way? This is what it means to be ready, active and alert, eagerly, expectantly waiting our Lord's return and doing the work he has given us to do. My dear friends, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is speaking to us today. And what he says, he says to us all. A follower of me is zealous for holy life. A follower of me is laser-focused on eternal, the eternal consequences of believing or not believing the Word of God. A follower of me knows that within his response of, or lack of response to the Word, his eternal destiny rests in his decisions, blessing or curse, heaven or hell.